Abstract Athlete Podcast, where art and sports collide. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Want to make sure everyone stops by our website, theabstractathlete.com and beginningintoys.com to check out our new product line. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. And remember to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and the Abstract Veterans Podcast. Really a very cool podcast today as I get to talk with University of Florida, Drexel University, North Florida, South Georgia Veterans Health Systems Research Team. They are working on the effects of art therapy on symptoms of PTSD after traumatic brain injury and indicators of neurophysiological response in mixed methods feasibility study. The study is funded by the Henry M. Jackson Foundation Foundation for the Advancement of Military Medicine in the support of Creative Forces, the National Endowment for the Arts Military Healing Arts Network. I'll put up all of their individual uh, sites in the text information on the podcast, but make sure to go check out their study information at arts.gov backslash initiatives backslash creative dash forces. Let's welcome Garija Kamal, Heather Spooner, John Williamson, and Chuck Levy. And Chuck and I have a funny, hi Chuck, a funny um, relationship to Ohio State. Um, and he knows the two doctors that do the Abstract Doctors podcast. Um, and so, like, yeah, it's, we just have this crazy, crazy kind of connection to the, the Ohio State. Right there, Chuck, see? <laughs> we get all crazy with our the. So, well, thank you guys for doing this. Um, this is going to, like I was saying before you got on, Chuck, this is by far the biggest podcast I've done in terms of people involved. And so I have no idea where this is going to go, but I think especially talking about, and by the way, I've started recording, um, start talking about the creative forces that you, I think brought us all together here, um, or brought you together here and what you guys are doing. Um, and the impact that I think that you're having. And, but also I think individually, I think it would be like really interesting to hear hear your stories also and how this kind of group came together. Because actually, Garija, you just said before we started recording that you've never actually physically met people. Um, and so it is, it's a project that came together two years ago, I think you just said. Um, you got a really nice grant to run this. Um, and I guess we'll just start there. <laughs> Chuck, maybe, maybe since you brought this all, all together and some, even though, you know, obviously Chuck, you've been on the abstract doctors podcast, like I was mentioning. Um, and we've talked multiple times as well, and you know what we're doing at the abstract athlete. And I think there's definitely overlap in terms of the benefit of creativity. Um, and we talk about physical exercise as well and eating right and all those things of, in terms of health, mental health and all those things. So, 
Um, Chuck, you can kick it off or somebody else can kick it off. I don't know. Oh, Chuck, you're on mute. Uh, Ron, it's great to be here. Thanks for uh, calling us together. It's probably appropriate for me to kind of start the introduction, basically saying that uh, I'm here, uh, as is Heather Spooner. We're both uh, um, uh, employees of the Henry Jackson Foundation for the Advancement of Military Medicine in support of Creative Forces the National Endowment uh, for the Arts Military Healing Arts Network. That's a big mouthful. But what it basically says is, at least for the two of us, um, we're here already at a very interesting point of collaboration where the National Endowment for the Arts, uh, working with a foundation, in this case, the Henry Jackson Foundation, um, uh, is in support of a project to help uh, veterans and actually active duty military um, uh, live better through a specific application of the arts. And also inherent in this project is the VA, uh, the Veterans Health Administration. And we have partners uh, on this podcast besides Heather. We have John Williamson, who I knew somewhat but not deeply from being uh, the chief of rehab medicine at the North Florida, Florida South Georgia VA. John was a researcher and still is there. Uh, he also has an appointment at the University of Florida. He's a neuropsychologist. And we interacted uh, when John uh, would come to some of our traumatic brain injury meetings, um, talking about research and other projects he was doing. And Garija and I also, uh, Garija Kamel is uh, at uh, Drexel. She's an academic creative arts therapist Feel free to, when I stop chattering, uh, give better introductions for yourself. <laughs> but Garija and I cooperated on projects uh, prior to this project. Uh, again, the connection was through uh, Creative Forces. And um, as part of my job for Creative Forces, my title is Research Physician. And basically what I'm supposed to do is help kind of the research mission, the NEA actually is not only doing an artistic endeavor here, it's also doing a research endeavor, trying to understand uh, in a more scientific way the benefit for the art uh, of the arts, and in this case, specifically the benefits of creative arts therapy, which includes uh, in the VA most prominently art therapy and music therapy with some dance music therapy, though there are other creative arts therapies. Anyway, uh, I knew of Garija through her work. Uh, Garija is very uh, noted, is really, I think, the leading uh, figure in uh, academic creative arts therapy, particularly the art therapy part of arts therapy. And um, we had an opportunity to compete for a grant. Um, I thought, that with John's expertise in neuroimaging, with Garija's uh, great knowledge of kind of the application of creative arts therapy and some of the uh, research basis that supports creative arts therapy, Heather, as a working art therapist and as a faculty member for the Center of Arts in Medicine at the University of Florida and someone who had worked with me uh, on our project the Rural Veterans Tele-Rehabilitation Initiative, 
where she helped create and invent um, how to uh, engage in arts therapy with veterans in their homes through telehealth, that this group together could mount um, a credible application to look into the effects of creative arts therapy, of arts therapy in specific, and the neurologic basis underlying it. And um, uh, I had an opportunity to kind of in, invite each of these people in. Some in, uh, Heather, uh, I'm not sure if I invited her as directly as the other two, but I certainly she just Heather showed up. <laughs> well, she's part of the package, and uh, I I probably should have drew, uh, approached her uh, more directly. But I think Garija had a bigger hand in pulling my one of my favorite colleagues in. Um, but uh, we're all together uh, working on this project funded by the National Endowment for the Arts and a VA facility with support from Henry Jackson, Henry Jackson Foundation, to really get an understanding. Uh, we're, funded, we're funded for um, uh, a preliminary study to uh, look at, uh, again, the basis of improvements um, uh, for veterans with PTSD, many of whom have mild traumatic brain injury over a period of uh, weeks um, receiving creative arts therapy, or specifically arts therapy. Creative arts therapy is a larger title, and sometimes I uh, accidentally use them interchangeably, but in this case we're looking at art therapy in specific, and um, using technologies such as functional magnetic resonance imaging to look at the neural, neural correlates of improvement. And um, uh, we're uh, exploring a new application of, um, uh, of a visual stimuli based on masks that uh, veterans uh, have created. Anyway, I probably said too much of a mouthful. Let me pause here, and perhaps I never need to speak again the rest <laughs> of the podcast. But uh, I'm very proud to be associated with this team. Each of these people um, is uh, uh, brilliant and an expert and who I've learned from and I'm so happy to be associated with them. Maybe, I mean, I, I like, and you guys can like introduce yourselves as we go along and stuff in different ways, even though I think Chuck did a really great job there. Um, couple things, like a couple things I want to know, like, first of all, like, how how did this start? And one of the things, Chuck, that you and I have talked about offline, because it's one one of the things we're, you know, I think there's definitely overlap in some of the things we're doing. Like we do some exhibitions with with former, you know, professional athletes and veterans as well. We actually have one up at Ohio State right now, as a matter of fact, Chuck. Um, but also like, Chuck, one of the things we've talked about, and I'm curious if there's any like swell or ground ground movement in any fashion of like the one thing that I as a professor talk about with my students is being proactive in in an approach as a as opposed to being reactive which I mean not that art therapy is strictly reactive but I'm curious like have you ever approached like active military in this as well as veterans because I'm always of the opinion, like I've been a creative person my whole life. I've been physically active my whole life, that those things 
keep us more in the center as opposed to these like wild roller coaster rides that we can go through emotionally, you know, is, is it something that is discussed maybe not through you guys, but in general? Well, I'll take a first stab um, cause no one got in before me. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, let my colleagues uh, chime in. So the first thing is we are treating active duty military through this program, less so through VA, but through our partners uh, at DOD facilities. But the second point is, uh, as I interpreted, should creativity and arts involvement uh, be used to essentially build resiliency uh, in perhaps athletes and uh, uh, active duty military to enhance their ability to withstand stress. And um, I don't think that there would be disagreement from our group that this sounds like a, a reasonable idea and a good hypothesis. It's not really our focus in this project, but um, uh, I, all of us, um, all, all of us here um, spend time um, in our daily routines or our weekly routines, engaging in either music or art or ourselves, and I think uh, we all believe in it. But to answer your question uh, briefly, our projects have not been focused on uh, strengthening pre-stress. Our projects have been focused on helping people recover after uh, trauma. I'll add for the scope of creative forces and the work that they're doing, they have 12 sites right now across the country and five of those are located in the VA. The other seven are at DOD sites, mostly, mostly national intrepid centers of excellence. And there is a total of four research projects that are currently being funded the same way as ours right now. And of those two are taking place in the VA and the other two are taking place in the DOD. So that work is pretty equally spread across both. To the larger point though, of engagement in creative activities uh, as potentially something that provides balance or uh, facilitates um, greater quality of life or health. Uh, I think there is evidence in other populations that this is so, particularly in aging populations with associations between uh, engagement in novel activities, creative activities, and various aspects of brain health. Um, so um, I do believe that to be uh, something important. So we can't be uh, all work or no play, to uh, quote The Shining, right? Uh, all work, no play, make Jack a little boy. Uh, uh, so yeah, definitely um, something that I, I feel is on the right track in terms of how to have a more um, um, healthy existence. You want to jump in, Grisha? <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll, I'll chime in now. This is, um, firstly, this is really great that you're doing this. I think uh, we, we as human beings intuitively understand the value of the arts as a part of our lives. It's historically been a part of our lives. It's sort of been separated. Uh, that's a sort of modern artifact that we separate out art artistry as the realm of experts and then the rest of us really kind of watch others do things. So what the creative arts therapies do, and they began um, most powerfully after World War II. So there is a history um, uh, with the military and the arts therapies being a way to address 
issues of trauma that verbal psychotherapies uh, traditionally couldn't do. So um, art therapy, music therapy, drama therapy, several of these arose after World War II in a significant way. It also, the creative arts therapies also evolved um, with children with special needs or any populations that struggled with verbal communications alone. So what we um, are able to do with this project, and this is uh, funded by Creative Forces, as, um, as Chuck had mentioned, and the Creative Forces initiative has existed since I believe 2010. It wasn't called Creative Forces then, it was called the NEA Military Healing Arts Initiative. And it began at uh, the at Walter Reed uh, National Military Medical Center. And we have been involved since 2013 on several of these projects with um, looking at the impact and value of um, art therapy interventions with active duty military service members mostly. So we have over 15 publications now, I believe, and um, looking at both existing data as well as um, new data that's been collected. So what's exciting about this particular project is that it's one of the first four um, that are looking at primary active uh, data collection. So far, you know, a lot of the work we had done was looking at secondary data. And, you know, Heather is um, uh, very modest, but she's one of the leaders in this uh, concept of telehealth or using telehealth approaches with art therapy. And the way we've come together, I think, for this project is exciting on multiple levels. On the one hand, we are looking at physiological change that John and his team are tracking, um, brain activity, um, connectivity, um, sort of very objective measures. We're also looking at uh, an intervention that's primarily telehealth, so allows for a lot of adaptation and access. And thirdly, we are looking at what changes for a person uh, in terms of their subjective experiences. So what is it like to go through any week intervention? What changes in terms of how they perceive the world, their symptoms, their primary symptoms of TBI and PTSD, and how the art therapies can help alleviate some of those. Um, we are a year into the project and um, sort of halfway into data collection. Um, and I have to say, I mean, it's one of the most exciting projects I've been part of. We have other offshoot projects that are emerging from this, um, just from the energy of this group, which is um, which is rare and very special. Well, I think, I mean, and I'll I'll say that I think it's it has to be rewarding because I've said what we're doing with the abstract athlete is the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. Because I think even though your your work is with through the VA with the military. This really, this kind of work speaks to everybody or potentially speaks to everybody. I mean, the, the, the fact that we're all creative beings, you know, we all started creative. Most people stop. And that's, that's part of what I'm trying to inspire is to get people back mm -hmm. to that understanding. You know, I always say this on the podcast. It's like, we talk about exercising the body all the time, but we don't talk about exercising the mind, creativity, that being that. And, and it's like, mm -hmm. I don't understand why we don't, I think it's changing. I think there is definitely a shift in society. Mm -hmm. Um, and why, why I think when Chris Clemmer, the, who I started the business with, um, and Daryl, when, when we really talk about this working with, with veterans or military personnel and athletes that are creative, it's because 
I think that they, they are a, a tool for inspiring other people to be creative because both of those places, whether you're a man or woman still have that machismo kind of effect mm -hmm. that we assume that these, you know, athletes or, or military personnel have. And when you walk into a room with a six foot four, huge former offensive lineman that makes beautiful photographs, it, I, I use the phrase, it gives people permission to be creative again. And I mm -hmm. think that's a big thing is I, for some crazy reason. And I think that this is, this is a somewhat a United States problem that for some reason, reason we do not respect visual arts like Europe or like Central America. And I don't know why that is. Um, but I think it is shifting, but I think that these, these people that, you know, probably that you work with the people we work with are, are inspiring to other people outside of their, you know, air quotes spaces. And I think that's a big part of getting people like knocking down those walls and allowing people to be creative. And I can't tell you the number of times, you know, I've had um, interactions with either patients or clients. And the first thing they'll say is, oh, but I'm not an artist. And <laughs> the first thing I say is, you know, I who told you that? Well, and it invariably goes back to like someone said that in their school years. And we, we know, you know, children stop engaging in a lot of creative uh, activities around the age of like 11, 12. That's when they've decided. So-and-so is a scientist. So-and-so is an artist. So-and-so is a, you know, sports person. And we kind of let that go, which is super unfortunate because, you know, creativity is one of the defining features of our species. Other species are not necessarily creative. No other mammals are. They might do problem solving, but this idea of imagination is unique to humans and for us to not engage in it. And by no means are arts the only way to do it, but it's an effective way to practice imagination. So I, I always get the... I always get the, I can't, I don't even know how to draw a stick figure, which is the same thing that you're saying. And I'm always like, well, then don't draw a stick figure. Like you, creativity, I think that's another one of the problems. And, and, you know, maybe you guys see this as well. It's like, I think people think creativity is drawing and painting and that's it. They don't, you know, it's like, there's no music in it. There's no, like, you can dance, mm -hmm. you can write poetry, like doing a podcast is creative because it's like, it's a call and response. It's a blues song. Like you're you know, you're reacting to what other people are saying. Like there's infinite ways of being creative and trying to like show people that they are creative, but allowing them to find what they like. Because to me, it's like, if you, if you can figure out something creative that you like, you're going to want to do it more often. And that to me is like another part of it. It's like, I want you like whether it's writing a song, I want you, okay, then write a song because if you're writing a song and you like it, you're going to keep doing that. And that's a big yeah. thing. I'm sure Heather, you uh, see that. Consider, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I would consider that uh, creativity is a normal part of uh, human cognition. Uh, so everybody's uh, engaging in creative problem solving throughout their day in some form or another. So it's a combination of convergent and divergent reasoning and your ability to uh, see the thread that unites between uh, ideas that may or not be may or may not be clearly uh, 
connectable to others, right? So that might be done through a, an artistic visual arts medium or through music or through through research uh, or any number of activities. So the normalization that this is something that we do and something that we can cultivate probably is, uh, I think, uh, an important thing to convey to people uh, in trying to get them to engage with creativity um, in the arts form, which is what we're talking about here. I do think relative to the Creative Forces project, and one thing that I thought compelling here in veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder and uh, history of traumatic brain injuries is that um, the psychotherapy approaches that we use are often um, effective, but hard for people to complete uh, and there's substantial heterogeneity in people, individual differences that allow them to connect with a specific therapist uh, to create a healthy therapeutic milieu, or even a specific idea in terms of how uh, to effectively navigate these problematic things that have come up from experiencing a horrible event. Um, and art therapy is an alternative uh, that has many elements uh, in my view that are uh, common to therapies that work, the empirically supported psychotherapies that we have in terms of exposure, but it capitalizes on things that aren't present in those therapies. Um, and relative to visual arts, in the mind's eye, mental imagery is a big piece of the expression of post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, it's these images that people report in their head. Um, so uh, by using visual arts, it allows them to to engage more directly, perhaps, uh, with that imagery, uh, and perhaps more obliquely in terms of uh, some people in their uh, exposure um, element to it, and exposure being a, a major active ingredient across all empirically supported uh, psychotherapeutic uh, modalities uh, that I think is quite appealing. So I'm excited to see how the project turns out, uh, because if you can have a therapy that works for some people, uh, that incorporates elements that we know to be effective uh, in psychotherapy uh, that allows them to complete it and have uh, something that has strong therapeutic efficacy that maps in a convergent way of what we understand about its neurophysiology uh, and uh, resolution of symptoms, that's great. It gives us another tool uh, in the arsenal for therapists to use to help patients. Uh, veterans in particular with TBI and PTSD are less responsive uh, to the conventional psychotherapies than people that are not veterans that have experienced criterion events and PTSD. Uh, so we do need more effective tools. We need more effective tools that more people can use, uh, and in particular for veterans. Yeah, one of the other sides to all this that I find really interesting, particularly with this population, um, and perhaps even the athletes you're describing is they're so used to being in environments that are um, very focused on productivity, very high stress, very black and white. And so to have to step back and enter into a space where they do pause, they're working on that mindfulness and also kind of tolerating ambiguity. There's not necessarily one right or wrong answer. And being able to sit with that is something that can be very therapeutic. And I think when I first started working with this population, one of the things that really struck me early on in a conversation with someone is I go into this work and I'm thinking about all of the research and the goals that we know and that we're expecting to see. Um, there's great research regarding the arts and art therapy for emotional regulation, for reducing trauma symptoms, for stress reduction. 
But in a conversation with one of the veterans, he was describing how for him, every time he was at home, he was walking out into his yard, he was just overwhelmed by all the things he had to do. I need to go outside and I need to clean this. I need to take care of this tree. Look at all this work. And he's like, you know, one of the most valuable things for me is every so often I can just walk outside now and admire the colors in that tree, right? The ability to just sit and be able to be there and notice that beauty, even if he wasn't making a painting or engaging in art, it changes the way that people think in such a powerful way. And I've heard that over and over again from people, just having that ability to get lost and notice something that they weren't able to see before can have such an impact. Oh, uh, there's there's tons of articles that talk about being in nature that and how therapeutic that is. But I also think it's it uh, what you were kind of describing, and it's something that I tell I I think I've told Chuck this. I've I've started a class or kind of a program here at Virginia Commonwealth called art and athletics. I mean, it kind of mirrors what we do with the abstract athlete. And one of the things you kind of just said touched on something that I say to the students all the time. It's like to pay attention. Um, and that's that there is creativity in that, that I, that act of looking and kind of absorbing. And, you know, like I tell, carry your phone with you. You always have your phone It take, start taking pictures of stuff. And that, that just that act, I think allows people, people to kind of start seeing and start paying attention it it almost a, allows them to slow down because i think that that inundation that we have every day of of what we have to do like you were saying we're inundated by visual things like on the computer screen or television or if you're in a lecture blah 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 you're just being flooded by stuff and that going for a walk and just allowing things to happen i think it's you know, th that's create creativity as well. And, but I, you know, it's just allowing it to happen. Sometimes, you know, we just don't. And one of the things I've started, you know, I've, I've done with, with my students is like having them like pay attention or even to the fact that, you know, I have a lot of student athletes, which is like really cool for me because I was a student athlete and I understand that stress. And I'll, I'll tell them, you know, why don't you do something creative before you have a game or before you have practice and see what that actually does to you as an athlete. Like, and I've had, you know, tens of hundreds, whatever, like, tell me like this actually works. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not a doctor, but I do read stuff about what, what art or being creative can do to this, you know, our, 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 our head. And, and it's, it's pretty, it's like, you know, like I was saying, it's, it's completely rewarding to like, see that this changes the way people think it changes the way people act and it changes them. Yeah. And they're in the present moment, right? They're not at hot in the past or in an interaction with their partner. They're actually there with what's happening instead of reacting to something that happened previously. And I think that's really hard for a lot of the people we work with too. Their mind is constantly caught up in the past, whether it's events that they experienced or previous interactions. And there's something about that mindfulness that comes with just sitting with the arts in particular, um, but again, time and nature and lots of different things. Yeah. Well, I'm going to going to a museum. Like, there's there's this one article I actually hand out every semester. Like, just going to look at artwork is as or close to as therapeutic as it is to making artwork. And again, I think it just because it just like you know, I 
hate to use that phrase, it just takes everything down a notch. I mean, I wish, and this sounds like I'm patting myself on the back. And I mean, like, I wish I had my class when I was in school because I was a horrible test taker. And just that idea of like doing something creative before you have a test, you know, I think that that would help because again, like you're kind of clearing your mind of all the bullshit that's in there. And that stress that we, even if you don't think you're stressed out, like for me, it's like, I didn't, I would study, I would know everything. And then I'd go into test and I would be like, I would start reading the questions and I'm like dissecting how they're asking the questions. And, you know, it's just, it's that kind of stupid stuff that I think a lot of people go through that is clutter and it's unneeded clutter. I think you're hitting on something that um, is an aspect of creative uh, problem solving or creative expression, which is playfulness. And that sense of, and when when can you feel playful is when you feel safe. You can't really play if you're not feeling safe. Yeah. So to um, so it's sort of coming at it in a different way by being playful or engaging in a sort of inconsequential, no high stakes creative activity. You're sort of uh, resetting that sense of playfulness and therefore safety which I think often is a, is a part that helps with reducing stress and reducing that, um, uh, the sense of, you know, uh, worry and uncertainty that are part of our lives. Yeah. I think that's an, an interesting point. Um, and, uh, one that, that, uh, I think there's a good bit of heterogeneity too. Uh, so, um, thinking about, correlations between depression and artistic production and uh, other psychiatric illnesses. Uh, Bruce Miller with his studies of schizophrenia and the uh, visual arts that they produce being rated as highly novel, highly creative by others. Uh, and uh, also um, as an expression uh, to some degree of darkness. And relative to our PTSD type treatment, uh, we are dealing with dark themes. Uh, so what about uh, that uh, engagement with the visual arts allows the, the darkness to go away, right? Because that's what we're trying to do is decouple that neurophysiological response of threat, of maladaptive threat in a safe environment, uh, of fight, of flight, of withdrawal, right? Uh, and uh, that visual medium is the tool by which we're trying to harness uh, a, a removal of that darkness to some extent, right? The Abstract Athlete is sponsored by and in partnership with Begin Again Toys. Begin Again Toys is an eco-friendly and educational toy company focused on sustainable ways to explore and play with a goal to inspire children with stories of innovation, adventure, and good old-fashioned fun. For more information, visit beginagaintoys.com. I, I, I mean, I just, it, again, like, I think for me, like seeing what you guys are doing and reading up and doing some research and again, having a dialogue with, with Chuck, um, for the last, I don't know, half year, year. Um, it's just, it's again, it's inspiring because I, I, again, I, I see this 
in a worldly view, not, not, not just for PTSD. Like, I think that stuff like this should be practiced in school, like from a very young age. And again, like, I know that art is part of school, but like, I, I don't understand. And I, I've said this to Dr. Sifu all the time. It's like, why is art not required like sciences? Why is art not required like math? And again, I think it's, there's this stigma that it's like, it's not worth it. And when we have stuff that you guys are doing that kind of shows that benefit, it's, it is like, it's inspiring. It knocks down those walls that I said earlier. And, you know, like working with military or, or like we work with military and, and, and athletes as well. It's like, these people are like the heroes that we, we look up to and stuff. And I think again, having those voices behind it, it helps remove those stereotypes of, of what art is or what people I think think art is. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would add one um, um, dimension to this, which we haven't really spoken about, is the difference between the process and the product. So very often, I think, um, discussions about art tend to be about the product. So, oh, this painting or this uh, sculpture or this piece of music or this performance. But all our development um, and transformation happens in the making of something or the struggling through the making of something or struggling through the expression and it being reflected back to you. So in in the creative arts therapies broadly, not that we ignore the product, but we definitely focus more on the product, a process. So something that we say to our patients and clients is there is no right or wrong. Whatever you share is is your, your inner state and external expression in this moment. I think what we don't do enough of in school is encourage that individuality. So, and the idea that art is a form of self-expression and by no means am I minimizing the value of skill and you know a masterful work is a pleasure all its own. And that sense of mastery is uh, something else. John is a drummer. Um, Jack is a banjo player. I, I I know they you know they appreciate skill and mastery. That is a joy in its own. But we don't do enough of that in school in the sense that I know my own kids they've not enjoyed their art and music classes because it's very much been focused on the product, who made the best looking this or that, rather than well what does this mean to you and why is this meaningful to you and how how did you learn or grow from this experience? We don't have conversations like that enough. Um, oh, you should take my class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you're, you're saying exactly how I teach and I don't, I'm not claiming that I'm right or whatever, but I do yeah. believe in, in self. You are, every one of us is an individual and that self-expression, you can't teach that. You have to go through that. And you also said something that I, I truly believe in. It's the product versus the practice. I'm all about practice. I actually tell students not to worry what they produce. It's all about that experience of the making. Um, and, and it's like, and I also think it's like, you don't have to be a professional artist, but going through the act of creativity is good. Like, and it's, and it's rewarding or whatever that 
act is. And so like, I do think that's probably a societal pressure that we put on people for, we have to have these, these rigid ways of working and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's, to me, it's just very antiquated in those systems. Like I'm, and I agree with you. Like I'm, I think, you know, it's, it's great to study and to learn fundamentals. And, you know, like I'm a singer, I went through years and years of singing. I have, you know, a master's degree in painting. I go out and photograph stuff and I like study these, these, you know, ways to photograph landscape and wildlife better, but that's because I want to learn, you know? And I think sometimes a forced learning as opposed to a wanted learning is different. We, we've talked about a couple of things and I thought it might be helpful just to say them specifically. So I think we've talked about creativity as kind of an incidental activity so that everybody we think is uh, kind of as part of everyday living, um, finding creative solutions to stuff all around them and that no one's against that. And then there's creativity as an intentional practice, which is a little different, which is, I, I, in my mind, setting time aside to own the process and do something that's creative and it kind of suggests that's personally expressive. And then the third thing we've talked about is arts as uh, a specific healing mechanism or being employed as a healing mechanism for our, uh, in this case, trauma, uh, a traumatized population, our traumatized population, our people traumatized, military people have been traumatized. And one of the things that Garija has championed and made sure that I understood uh, is that trauma is often, or kind of inherently is encoded immediately with vision, with sounds, but not necessarily with a verbal explanation of what the event was. And so expressing, uh, having arts and or music and or dance and or drama and or writing to um, help express the actual traumatic event in a way that telling someone in words means that the person has to abstract things in a way that direct expression might be better to access. That's a different way of uh, looking at the arts. And just finally to say something that John's already said, but I wasn't sure if everyone who's not deep in this would understand it, that traditional uh, psychotherapies, talking therapies for trauma very much rely on something called exposure where a person has to recall the traumatic events again and again. And that's what I think John's referring to is why people can't tolerate the therapy so often is to continually recall these horrible things. This can be very stressful, but the arts give a doorway, the arts, the music, etc., give a doorway to um, perhaps express those things. John used the word oblique that you can kind of look at the, you can kind of get to the trauma, not through the direct telling and retelling and re-experiencing it exactly, but using creativity and artistic expression to ride a different horse to, um, uh, to get at it without the direct pain and humiliation that might be aroused with telling it. So, uh, we, so to sum up me, 
there's uh, uh, creativity as kind of just something that humans do and should be celebrated. There's in, in setting si time aside to be an intentional creator, which has a different meaning in my mind anyway than the simple aesthetic. Uh, well, that can be part of it too. Um, anyway, there's intentional, and then there's using uh, arts as a as a part of the healing process. And I thought it might be helpful to kind of separate those things out so we could think about them. <laughs> I don't. This is. It's always hard for me because I'm like, oh, there's four people. I don't know if anyone's going to talk. No, I. I. It is. It's. It's. Um. I just find it fascinating. Like I. I don't know any other way to say it. Um, just in, in terms of, I think what you guys have brought to the table. And I, I guess that's like a question that I'm curious because this, and I'm looking at this right now, this grant that you guys got is through 2023, correct? Is that correct? Okay. So, I mean, what, what is like this obviously has legs. And I, I think somebody at the beginning mentioned how impactful this has been um, for all of you um, in terms of like coming together as a group, in terms of like what you're doing. Is it something to, that you see expanding or continuing? Um, I mean, I know there's, the, there's another year left, but like, is it like, how do you see this evolving or, or do you see it evolving? Well, this grant explicitly is a pilot. Okay. Uh, so the idea here is to refine our methodology, get a little bit of effect size data, some feasibility data, um, look for some signal uh, in a number of so folks. We, we're creating a task uh, for the fMRI to specifically perturb frontal limbic systems that we're administering before and after therapy. Uh, so uh, our goal is to turn this into a bigger project, uh, an RCT, well-designed, perhaps pitted against um, in a, another empirically supported treatment to show equivalency or um, some other control. We haven't fully fleshed out details of that yet, uh, but um, the NEA and Healing Jackson Foundation intend uh, for this to be a developmental project, one that leads to uh, a bigger study capitalizing on uh, what we develop methodologically in this project uh, to have uh, more controlled studies in this field uh, to demonstrate uh, efficacy as well as um, personalized treatments uh, to individuals that need it. Do you think, I mean, th this is a random question of sorts, but do you think like, that you all are practitioners really of creativity, John, you and, and Chuck are musicians. Heather, what do you do actually? Do you painter? I, so I do a lot of mixed media art okay. of my own. I yes. thought I saw that. Okay. I mean, do you think because of that, that you guys have your own practice, you understand those benefits that it, there's more to what you're saying as in, as if you were just a researcher. Do you know what I mean? Like, because you're actually in it and you do these, these creative things. I mean, there's more soul to what you're doing because of the practice. Does that make sense? I don't know. 
I don't know about all that. I can say that the reason that I answered the email uh, <laughs> relative to this project uh, was my interest in uh, the arts generally. Uh, and I thought, oh, that looks uh, like fun. Um, <laughs> no, but I do. I like, again, I think that it's as opposed to being like outside looking in, you're both outside and inside. Like there's, you have this, this, uh, this view of, what you're doing from both perspectives. And I think that there's, it's got to be more meaningful in some ways. I don't I, I, I actually, yeah. I, I actually think it's essential and all creative arts therapists are actually uh, proficient in some art form. So he, for Heather and I, it's um, visual arts, but for music therapists, it'll be music, dance, movement therapists, it'll be dance, you know, drama therapists, drama, for example. So we're coming at this from a lived experience of what the arts have meant for us personally. And I just realized the four of us are actually clinicians in our own right. So each of us has served patients and clients in different ways. So I think um, that's an interesting aspect perhaps of our um, I don't know, of our understanding or appreciation of the many ways in which human well-being is defined and human well-being is approached. Um, I haven't thought this through fully, but I, I'm just thinking with it. No, and I, um, I, you're touching yeah. on what I was kind of saying, I think. It's that that idea that you're not just like a clinician on the outside looking in, but you're 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 both. You're like mm -hmm. doing your own practice. You're understanding what it does for your wellness also able to speak to it in a in a clinical way but speak to it as a human being which i think mm -hmm. makes it you know I'm, I'm i'm saying this kind of randomly but i think it's probably more impactful i think that, like mm -hmm. just kind of speaking in, in terms of like me when i deal with student athletes like well i was a student athlete i understood what it what it took and mm -hmm. like that daily grind of mm -hmm. of what it was so they i think they probably listened to me probably a little bit more because i was in it for lack of right, a and I understood it, and this I've often thought also about the parallels between sports and arts. Right? People have said, "Well, why don't we just offer you know soccer camps everywhere? Why, why in, as a way?" There's there's lessons around human functioning, interpersonal interactions, dealing with defeat, dealing with disappointment that that are not entirely different between the sports and the arts. The only thing that might be different in the arts, perhaps, is that uh, if you set it up in a non-competitive way, that is an option. So, um, and perhaps you can argue that for sports as well, where you focus on your personal best rather than, um, um, especially for the individual sports. But there's life lessons to be learned from both. Um, there's It's as heartbreaking in the arts as it can be in sports, right? So how do you, how do you cope? How do you bounce back? How do you learn? Um, there are parallels, parallels there as well. I was going to say, certainly for myself, I think what drew me to become an art therapist in the first place was the impact that the arts had on me growing up. It was something that I found was able to help me during difficult times, something that I turned to when I was feeling stressed. And so having experienced that for myself is one of the reasons that I was excited when I found out this was a profession and wanted to go ahead and pursue that is because I was able to share that experience with others. I may not talk about it directly, but it's that lived experience that you're speaking of. Yeah. 
Um, for, for me as a, as a physical medicine rehab doctor, um, when I was trying to figure out what specialty I should go into, you know, as a medical student, you kind of uh, taste uh, all the major specialties. And when I got to physical medicine and rehab, I found, oh, this is the specialty where I can assess people, figure out where they're at, and try to figure out a solution for that individual person. That seems to speak to my skill set. Knowing every disease and every test, that scares me. Um, uh, uh, cutting people and having some of them do poorly, I'm sure there's lots of creativity in it, but it wasn't exactly for me. But when I got to physical medicine and rehab, there were people with disabilities that I was interacting with who had limitations, and I could kind of listen to them and figure out where do they need to go from here and then try to set a pathway and communicate with them to help guide them on the pathway. When I see patients, I, I, I'm out of clinical practice uh, as uh, I've retired from the VA, uh, but I'm still working with creative forces. But when I was a clinician, you know, I felt licensed to ask people the same thing about kind of how they were and listen to where they were at and then try to marshal a plan that would fit for them. So I wasn't, sometimes I would ask them to do a writing assignment for me. And then I had the great fortune of being able to refer them directly to arts and music ther therapists, which I did. Uh, Heather's been involved with some particularly wonderful successes of patients who have been struggling with uh, adjusting, uh, again, from traumatic experiences, who I hopefully helped receive them compassionately, hopefully um, help guide them in lessening their pain and general distress, but also put them on a pathway with Heather where she could help directly engage them in creativity, and some of them really flowered in extraordinary uh, ways. So that's my answer to how uh, I wove creativity and artistry into the whole thing. Appreciate that, Chuck. And certainly your role in all this from the beginning has been huge. And even thinking back to the people who you referred to our program, we were, the program began in 2014 as a pilot project with the VA's Office of Rural Health and the university and the VA here. Um, and Chuck was a huge part in bringing that all together. We were part of the team that developed the program. Um, but his support for the program was huge, as was his support for the veterans. And so often when I had veterans who referred to our program, they really did see how much you cared and worked with them on that kind of individual basis. And I heard that a lot. It was something that stood out a lot about your work. Um, and I think that kind of individual piece is also something inherent to the arts that's really different for the veterans and that they love. Um, when I work with the veterans and kind of reevaluate after a while to check in and see how things are going. One of the things I'm always curious about is, was this different for you than other things that you've tried? And if so, how? And so often they talk about that kind of active collaborative nature to this. Um, even if I'm directing what they do and telling them maybe a prompt or what they should work on, what material they should pick, inherently doing something creative makes you an active participant. So it's not just something receptive that they're receiving, but it's very much something that they do have to step in and take an active role in. And I think that really translates a lot to the type of success that they see. 
No, sorry. I thought John was going to say something. I, I, I agree. Like it's that active participation part. Like that's something that I see, you know, on a daily basis in my class. And it's, again, it's like, it's that again, for me, I keep using that word permission thing. And, and I think again, we, we, for some reason don't respect the art. So it's like, it's almost like we're setting up this thing that we think people aren't allowed to do, you know? And, and so like giving them that permission, that active participation and showing them it just, it's, I don't know. I don't know a better way to say it. It's just rewarding to watch um, and to see how, how people like really engage in this side that we've as society, we've kind of taken away. Um, I just, I don't know. I think it's just, it's a fascinating thing to watch. Um, I, you know, like when, as I kind of wrap this up, but like, what, what do you guys, I, I kind of asked this already, I guess in some ways, but what is like, what do you hope to gain? Like, where, where do you see this going? I know again, like this is 2023 and I know you, like John, you said, this is kind of the start, but I mean, do you see this becoming almost like a platform almost is the best way to say it? Well, um, go ahead, John. <laughs> so, uh, relative to, uh, this particular project, what I would like to see is that we successfully complete it and translate it into uh, the next stage, which is the development of the RCT. Why do we want to do that? Well, uh, ultimately, uh, we want to um, develop empirically supported treatments for people with post-traumatic stress disorder. This particular study is geared at a population that has been more recalcitrant relative to their responsiveness to treatment. Uh, so veterans with traumatic brain injury histories and post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, so uh, in that sense, um, that is uh, a uh, uh, very specific and concrete goal. Uh, more broadly in terms of research, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to re-engage with the arts uh, and merge that with my uh, foray through neuroscience, and um, I've done this as well. I have a PhD student in ethnomusicology, and we're working on the role of aging and rhythm and music, and uh, <laughs> it's fun, right? We've got uh, uh, a lot of That's different... Awesome. Uh, yeah, um, so uh, in that sense, uh, I like the uh, the chance to uh, think about art and creativity uh, in the context of uh, neuroscience and how we might use it to uh, both understand the brain, the human experience, and uh, how to improve uh, improve it. Anybody else want to jump in? <laughs> I can add. Um, I, I would add, like, so I think of my work as um, really democratizing creative self-expression. I recently just wrote a whole book about it because I think that is that is where we need to go as society, really sort of step away from this idea of creativity as being domain of a few. And, you know, we put absurd pressures on ourselves to excel in things like music, art or dance, otherwise we won't practice it. But we don't put pressure on ourselves to become like Michelin starred chefs when we cook, or we don't put pressure on ourselves to be Olympics 
speed walkers when we go for a walk. We do these things because we know they are good for us. We know it's good to be active. We know it's good to cook, you know, cook food for yourself. I think of the arts really as the same thing. These are good for you. These are safety valves. They are, they are way, if when you don't express yourself and you don't channel what might be difficult or maladaptive or so-called um, negative emotions, they just sort of pile up and they explode in other ways. So the arts are really, I think, um, an essential component of well-being and um, a safety valve, so to speak. So um, to really encourage people to engage in things that they find expressively fulfilling without absurd standards um, that paralyze them, I think, is it's it's a good part of what I try to do. You asked where we saw this headed. And I think there's a couple of different places that I see this headed. One is already happening. Um, since we started um, uh, with uh, creating a telehealth method of delivery of arts and music and dance therapy, this has really taken off throughout the VA. We have an extensive network within the RDTRI. I, I can't remember if we're supporting eight centers or 10 centers or it'll be 10 centers next year or whatever, but it's a lot. But outside of, so when I say that is we're the RVTRI, which I created, but I'm no longer uh, directing, is still in existence and is still working through the VA to support creative arts therapy across the network. But there's a larger expansion of creative arts therapy throughout the network. There's more funding for creative arts therapists. Again, my numbers may not be exactly right, and Heather, feel free to, <laughs> but there was like 40 or 50 um, uh, positions made for creative arts therapists uh, throughout the VA network. So whether we are proving the work or not, the val the, uh, something has happened to convince our leadership that investment in creative arts therapy in this military-related network is important, and I expect that to continue. In terms of the work of this group, John's been very specific, and I think we all are on board with this. We're doing a preliminary study with the full intent to see the preliminary work lead to larger work. And the larger picture is we believe that arts and uh, creative arts therapy and secondarily artistic expression are very important for health. And we'd like to have, be able to speak in it in a language that uh, is the language of medical science, which includes imagery, um, heart rate variability. That's not John. Uh, <laughs> Garbo's laughing and being super happy right now, I'm sure. Uh, uh, looking at physiologic markers. And we believe this has legs. We believe that um, there's something meaningful and important in uh, arts therapy and creative expression. That's a, a, a deep component of health. And uh, we think, again, speaking royally, that it's underappreciated. And for a researcher, that's not a terrible thing. It means it's a, it's a field ripe for exploration. Um, we're, I think, or I should speak for myself, I'm excited to be part of um, this effort to, uh, again, combine with the NEA, with the Office of Rural Health, with the VA, to 
put clinicians in the field, to put science, to create a new uh, avenue of science. I think um, that we represent here and as part of Creative Forces, the most vibrant uh, systematic exploration of uh, the science between the therapeutic effects of uh, creative uh, of art therapy and music therapy. And I think that the efforts we are engaged in now will cast a long shadow, will be what others look at. I think we're at the right place. I think we have the right questions. And I think others are eager to join us. I'm excited to be part of it. I'm so excited to be with my colleagues who I so deeply enjoy and respect. And um, uh, so uh, that's part of where I see all this going and there's probably more. I'm here for Chuck's jokes, just so you know. <laughs> That's why I signed on. He called, he, he cracked a bunch of jokes. I was like, all right. I'm here, I'm here for his music. I'm waiting for him to like grab one of those off the back wall. He never does it. I hear he plays it, but I don't know. Speaking of which, well, first of all, uh, I think that was a good way to end it right there, just in terms of like where this is going. And But I just want to say thank you because uh, for me, this has been like, really a enlightening and interesting. It's usually, it's a different conversation than I normally have on the podcast. And I think that's important to have, like, because it, it's, it was scientific, it's cl clinical, but it's also real. And I think for people to be able to hear what you guys are talking about, where this is going, the, the potential of it, where it already is, uh, is just, it's exciting and, um, thought provoking. Um, and I do, I always ask this question. And now that we have two musicians, maybe three or four, I don't know. Do you, do you two play any music? Okay. I always ask, like, I always write music for each episode um, or use some of the music from my old band. But if either one of you had music that you would want, that you have recorded, that would, you'd want to don't, okay. If you want to give me a song, I will put this on, on the podcast. Cause I think that would be like really cool to have it a little bit more personal, but I also like one of the other things I always ask and we'll do like, this is like a speed round. I've never done a speed round, but I'm making, making shit up as I go along. Who are like, it could just be one person. Like who's in, who inspired you? Like whether it's musically, like I'm assuming John, John is like, you know, John Bonham or something, or <laughs> I'm just kidding, but oh Neil okay. 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 I was going to, yeah. Okay. Do you like tool then? I assume like, well, well, I mean, any drummer who didn't, there, okay. there would be a problem, right? I mean, <laughs> Danny is great. I'll have to send you some pictures. I was, a, like I said, I was a singer of a band back in the day, and I'll have to sing, send you pictures. My band opened up for the Misfits and Megadeth at this outdoor concert. It was like 10,000 people walking out on stage and just seeing a sea was one of the great moments of my life. It was like, you can't replace. That, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that that's great. Dave Mustaine, Symphony yep. of Destruction. Oh yeah, Symphony. Yeah, he was kind of an <laughs> asshole actually, but um, but yeah, but I um, any and like any anybody that ends like any inspirations, any any. Well, I, I'm an old time musician, which means I've been exploring the foundational music of uh, that I'm uh, that kind of predates bluegrass and. All of the people that inspire me are kind of unknown by people who are outside of it. I can mention some names. 
Pete Sutherland is a marvelous musician, a marvelous singer and fiddler who I had a chance to interact with and learned about stuff that was hidden from me until he shone a light on it so I could learn about. I assume Steve Martin's got to be up like. Steve Martin, not so much. No. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of respect for him, but he's not been inspirational. Right. Um, there's another gentleman named Bob Carlin, who's a great musician and a wonderful banjoist. And yep. um, uh, I've learned a lot from um, and I've spent time. I don't know if we've gone over this, but I had an opportunity through arts and medicine to travel to Gambia and Senegal to learn from um, the uh, Jola people. Uh, an instrument called the accounting, which is a forerunner of the banjo. And that was deeply inspiring. Wow. We talked a little bit before about kind of art education in schools. And I had a high school art teacher who I'm sure secretly wanted to be an art therapist because we didn't learn <laughs> any technique that I can remember my entire year. But we spent an entire year in art class creating vessels for our souls and having conversations Ooh, through art nice. and just all of these things <laughs> that were much about the process and kind of that side of the arts. And I think that's where I was kind of introduced to that side that is so much about the process we've been talking about. And one of the things that kind of led me on this path, both for myself and to want to be an art therapist. For me, I think it's a it's a variety of uh, influences. So I grew up in India and Nepal, and I, I grew up seeing a lot of uh, community festivals and events where people would be, you know, where we spontaneously made things, danced, sang, all of that. So to me, um, a lot of indigenous traditions and arts practices are my inspiration, I would say, to really sort of go back to, maybe not even go back, but where you integrate um, expressive creative practices into everyday life. I, I really like that answer. Like that idea of community, I think is such, that's why I think what you guys are doing, there's, there's a community impact in my head thinking about like, that's, I think a lot about how those arts and community like really can impact the whole gamut. So, mm -hmm. um, well, thank you guys. Like this was, it was really, really cool. Chuck, thank you for setting this up. Um, the other thing I would say, uh, I usually in, in the, um, the text part of the, the podcast, like on, on Spotify and stuff, if you guys have any personal, um, websites or any links you want me to, um, to attach, just please e email them to me. And then Chuck, just send me a file for the, for the music. This is going to be out. Um, I release a podcast every Monday. I believe this will be out on October 24th. So it's a couple weeks actually. Um, which is actually my birthday. So it's a good day to release a podcast. <laughs> and Chuck, if you're ever up in Ohio State, uh, thanks, John, uh, and through uh, October 28th, if you're up there, I doubt you will be, but we have an exhibition at the faculty club right now. So, cool. and so. so uh, before we sign off, uh, uh, Heather and I are speaking for ourselves, not for Creative Forces or the Henry Jackson Foundation, just so that, that is said yep. so we don't get anyone in trouble, uh, including ourselves. Or the VA or any other entity. <laughs> right, right, right. Relative to the Department of Veterans Affairs and yes. such, um, yep. I think that's required as well. Yes. Yep. 
Well, thank you all. And like, as I said, reach out. I look forward to like staying in touch with you all. Chuck and I like have conversations every once in a while. And um, I do think that there's definitely collaborative um, potential between what we're doing at the abstract athlete and what you're, what you're all doing. Um, And, you know, I just think the more that we can do to promote, you know, creative practices for everybody really is like what we're really shooting for is the better. Um, I just think it's, it's, it's a very healthy way to de-stress and and get rid of anxiety, not get rid of it, but tamp it down a bit. Um, and, um, like maybe at some point in time, like it'd be cool to have one and or all of you do a zoom with, uh, some of my classes, because again, I think this conversation, while, you know, like it's different than some of the ones we have in my class, I think it's so beneficial, um, and good for, you know, people to hear this. So we have other investigators on this creative forces study. Yep. Uh, we have investigators besides, we kind of have two art, you art projects, which you've heard one of the other, uh, uh, does some similar but not identical methodology, but we also have two uh, different music uh, practices, and we didn't really get deep into music because we're not really the music group, but uh, <laughs> if you're interested, um, yep. we might arrange uh, for others in our network to also speak with you. Oh, no, that'd be great. Uh, I, I just, again, like, for me, the, the exciting part, I think I said this to you, Chuck, is being able to do this podcast, you know, we're over a hundred episodes at this point and the variety of people that I've been able to talk to, whether it's, you know, a Navy seal, a purple heart recipient, a guy that used to catch passes from Drew Brees that are all creative and they talk about like their experiences and just that kind of stuff filters out into the world. And that's important to me because again, like I always say that knocks down those walls, but we, we put stereotypes on people and, you know, like you, you know, as a, as a doctor, like we, that's all we think that a doctor might be is just a doctor. And it's like, well, no, they have a life beyond, you know, I mean, I think people like they used to look at me that I was just an athlete and that's it. And that's who I am and who I was. And it's like, well, that's not true. That's a, that's an aspect of who I am. So I think these things where we show that people have different experiences and different things that they do. It just, it's, it benefits humanity. I mean, that's a big statement, but I think it's true. Thank you so much for hosting us. We're fans of yours. (laughs) We're fans of your advocacy for creativity and for the arts and athletes and beyond. We appreciate the chance to hang out with you. Back at you. And like I said, feel, send me emails with links, Chuck, send me the music and, and I'll send you all, um, some like promo stuff when I get it done, um, some video snippets and some photographs. So thank you all so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Really uh, just such an amazing discussion. I, I think you know, what they are doing is is so important and potentially leading to other studies to help out and, and really show the benefit of creativity on all of us. 
Really had so much fun, really learned a ton. Very much appreciate Garija, Heather, John, and Chuck for coming on. Again, I will attach all of their personal information in the body of the podcast, but make sure to go check out arts.gov backslash initiatives backslash creative dash forces for further information on their work. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com for information and news and also go check out Beginning in Toys for our new product line. Do not forget to check out the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast and the Abstract Veterans Podcast. Thank you for listening to the abstract athlete podcast we will see you next week and as always do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind stay well out there